subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We live in an incredible country, a country in which we should be very, very thankful for, a country that um, warrants us freedoms that so many people around the world do not have at all. Um, The more you look at what's going on in other countries, the more that you travel, the more that you see things that take place, the the more it makes you thankful for the place in which God has blessed us with. At the same time, um, we, we live in a, a country that's fallen, a country that is sinful, a country that decisions are made that go totally and completely against God's word and his will for his people. And with that, this particular text, these, these seven verses are very applicable to us here this morning. Not only to us here this morning, but to generations and generations to follow. It's applicable to those who, who are in other countries that are living in places where there's just incredible persecution. It's a, it's a passage of scripture in which God inspired specifically for, for all people to read and to know. Because it applies to every person that exists. We all live in countries in which there are governments, some corrupt, some less corrupt, um, some that are far better than others. As we look at these things, though, it's important that we understand our place in all this. You you look at how God describes his people. He tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. You may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You had not obtained mercy, but now you've obtained mercy. And he says, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors or to those who are sent 
by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And he, he wants us to understand in this section, submit to the government, but know that you're sojourners and you're pilgrims. We are to identify ourselves first as Christians. We belong to him. When we look at our country, when we look at the fact that we are Americans, or some may be here from other countries, you may be Chinese, you may be from Zimbabwe or England or wherever it is. But first and foremost, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. We're pilgrims here. We're here and we live here, but we definitely are passing through. This is not our home, but there is a home that is for us, that is in heaven, in which we await, we eagerly await. In Hebrews, we're told that they confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And so we look and we see that we are definitely living here within this country, but recognizing that our home is someplace different, and that is in heaven. In verse 1 of this chapter, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. It is very emphatic as we look at our text, let every soul, let every soul be subject to governing authorities. There's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Why are we to be in submission to our governing authorities? It says, for there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Or to put it another way, we are to be subject to governing authorities because God is sovereign. He's sovereign. He, He puts people in positions of government. He does these things. He accomplishes these things. You look, and in, in, in just recently, in, in most of our minds, we can recall when George, when George W. Bush won in the year 2000. Um, I, I don't know about you, but, but that, that, that was an interesting time for us, wasn't it? I, I'm one of the guys that like, I'll, I'll have my map out during the election. Okay, we got this state. We didn't get this state. We got this one. Okay, now we lost that one. We have to get this one in order to win. But if we don't get that one, then we got to get these two, and it doesn't look good for us. And, then, and so I have it, like, mapped out, and I'm, like, looking at it, and I'm sometimes excited and most often discouraged. And so you, you, you look, and you're, you're six. You got to a place that night in which... Um, Al Gore called to, to George W. Bush to say, like, well, you know, I won. And then he had to call back and say, oh, I'm just kidding. I don't know for sure yet. And you remember the process of all of those votes hanging chads. Do we count them? Do we not count them? What do we do? Watching the whole process and coming to a place where for nearly 30 days we didn't know who won. And, and then it had to go to a Supreme Court vote to, to say, like, okay, we, we're going to end all recounts at this particular point. And George W. Bush by, or George W. Bush won by 537 votes. Florida, five, 537 votes. And, and 
and got the 25 electoral votes from, from Florida and, and the Republicans won. George W. Bush won. And you look and, and all that had to take place to make that happen. And you look and, and just to say, okay, I, whether I wanted this guy to win or that guy to win or however it was, to be able to set back and say, you know what, God's sovereign over it all. Whoever he desires to win at this particular time will win. I mean, to have such great confidence in that, to be able to look and say, God does things. I mean, there were times in that election where I felt like it radically changed the election. The debate in which Bush and Gore were there debating and, and, and Bush would, 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 would talk and Al Gore would roll his eyes like, give me a break. I mean, you, you know, and, and people that were watching, it's like, you're not nice. And so he lost a ton of votes there. But then the next time there was a debate, he's like, okay, it's, it's, is it okay for me to talk now? And you saw like the total opposite of the previous one, and people thought, oh, okay, you're, you're fake. And, and to watch like that, and I, I'm watching thinking, okay, that, that had to have cost him more than 537 votes. Just a particular moment in the election. You look and, and you see other elections that have been close. John F. Kennedy beat Richard Nixon in 1960 by 112,000 votes out of the 69 million votes that were cast. You look and you see that God does things. It should be something that is a great comfort to us because there's times in which there are people who get elected in which I think maybe this is just God's judgment upon this people. Maybe it is a tool that he will use to bring them to repentance. There's times in which elections go through, and I think, I think I hardly won anything this year. Hardly anything that I voted for won. And, and you can become incredibly discouraged or to be able to look and say, okay, this is not my home. My home is, is, is someplace different. To look and to be able to trust God's sovereignty in all these things. To King Nebuchadnezzar, it was said in Daniel 4, the most high rules in the kingdoms of men. He gives it to whomever he wills. He rules in the kingdoms of men and he gives it to whomever he wills. You see it in, in Daniel 4 where King speaks and he says, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. He's walking around his kingdom. Is this not great Babylon that I built? Just incredible pride. Here is someone who is a king. Here is someone who is a tyrant. And he's looking at his kingdom. Look at what I've built. Look at this great Babylon. Look at these gardens. Look at all that is here. Look at what I've built. And it says that while the word was still in the king's mouth, while he was still saying it, there was a voice that came from heaven. So he's saying, is this not great Babylon that I built? And as those words are still coming out of his mouth, there's a voice that comes down from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. 
They shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. And they shall make you eat grass with like oxen. And seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. He gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour, the word of the Lord fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the time, it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. So here's this guy that is eating like the beast of the field. He's been removed immediately while it was still upon his mouth. The words were still coming upon his mouth. The voice comes down and he gets removed from all of it and starts eating like the beast of the field. And Nebuchadnezzar comes to a place of saying, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me and I was restored to my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol the honor of the king of heaven. All of those all of whose works are truth and his ways justice and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. Just radical, most powerful king. And he's just like, he rules and he is able to just put me down. He's able to bring me to a place of eating like just an animal. We saw that with um, Saddam Hussein, didn't we? Also, someone who looked at himself as being like that of Nebuchadnezzar there in the same particular region. And there was that time where, where he was hiding and he was in a hole. And the, even, even the, the army general said then looking upon him, like he, he looked like a rat in a hole when they found him. And you look and you think, God is sovereign over all things. To me, it gives me just incredible comfort. You think of it in, in the time of Pilate where he says to Jesus, where are, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. And then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? And Jesus answered that point and said, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. That You would have no power unless it had been given to you from above. I mean, just radical words from God as he's looking at Pilate who has the ability to put him to death and Jesus just says, you, you have no power unless it's given to you from above. And so for us as Christians living in this world to be at a place of knowing, okay, there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by him. They're appointed by him. It brings us to a place of just having great confidence in our sovereign God. In verse 2, it says, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist bring judgment on themselves. 
We are not to resist our government. We are not to go against them. We're not to be in a place of breaking the laws and doing things that are not right. Here, he calls his people to not resist the authority because when you do, you resist the ordinance of God. You bring judgment upon yourself. But is there ever a time for civil disobedience? Is there ever a time where we are to resist the government? I think that there are. Um, There are times that the government forbids what God requires and requires what God forbids. That there are times where we definitely are to resist the government. You find it in Scripture over and over again. For example, in Daniel chapter 3, there's a command that goes forward saying, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, that you shall fall down and worship the gold image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Remember that? You've got to worship. You've got to worship this image. And it says Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They say they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar spoke. Something changed. He spoke like that. Nebuchadnezzar spoke. Apparently, he thundered. It is true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up. Now, if you are already, if now if you are ready at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the fiery, burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Who is the God that's going to deliver you? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, you have no need, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you've set up. You could throw us in the fiery furnace. God's able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will still not bow down and worship the gold image. Regardless of what you say, regardless of what you command, regardless of what you herald, we are not doing it. We're not going to do it. You see it again in Daniel chapter 6, where there's these governors and satraps thronged before the king, and they said, King Darius, live forever. And the governors and the king of the kingdom and the administrators and the satraps and counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute to, to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except O king shall be cast into the den of lions. And now O king established a decree and signed the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Can't pray to any other 
God, and the first thing he does is go up, open his windows, kneel where everybody's able to see, and he prays three times. We obey God rather than men. We see that in Acts chapter 5 where the apostles are told that they are not allowed to preach the gospel anymore. And an angel comes and says, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life, saying, did we not, did we not strictly command you not to teach in, the, in, in this name? And look, you fill Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter on, and, and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. So the angel commands them, go and preach. The leaders, the government leaders say, did we not command you not to do this? And Peter and the other apostles say, we ought to obey God rather than men. Our, our primary obligation is to obey God first. There's no government that has the right to, to command Christians to perform sinful or unbiblical acts. You see that where Moses' mother lovingly hides her baby rather than allowing him to be put to death according to the law. You find that with Rahab hiding the spies. Over and over again, you see it in Scripture where there are times for civil disobedience. Um, for me, I've thought about this a lot because there's been times where have done things that are illegal as far as laws are concerned within a country. Going to China, and it's illegal to bring in Bibles and give them away. Um, and yet, on numerous occasions, I've filled my suitcases full with as many Bibles and study tools that I possibly could and have brought them in. I've watched God just work miraculously where I hear I have my bag full of Bibles and there's a line of, at the airport where you're supposed to, everybody's supposed to get their stuff x-rayed. And there's been times where I've just seen, I saw one person just walk right by the x-ray machine and I just followed and just walked right past the x-ray machine. No one said anything. And I just walked out of the airport and just looked and said, like, God, is just, he's amazing. The way it is that he does this, the way it is that he makes this possible. Even times where I got caught. I remember being on Henan Island and, and, I, I, and there in China and I got caught. I, they opened up my bag and there was just Bibles and study tools and everything, and all these police officers came around immediately within just seconds, and dozens of them, and I'm sitting there just going like, great, <laughs> like, I'd be eating rice for the next 10 years here in prison someplace in China, and, and, and I sat there just waiting to see what was going to happen. There was the main officer that was there, a woman, just saying, why are you bringing all these Bibles into China? This is against the law. And my response was, we, we wanted to bring him to give him as gifts to people that we met. It, it, it's a wonderful thing in America when you meet someone to give them a gift, and we just wanted to give them gifts. Well, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that in China. You're not allowed to bring Bibles into China. And I'm just watching all of these dozens of people have all these Bibles in their hand. They're all looking through them, and, and I'm sitting there just going, great, what's going to happen? You know? And I'm just waiting and waiting. And finally, I, I said... Why is it illegal to bring Bibles into China? And this, she said, well, I don't know. It's just the law. And I said, well, all it says in there 
is this is, and I just started going through, this is who man is, and this is what they did, and this is how man fell to sin, and this is what Christ is. And I just, I spent like 15 minutes just preaching the gospel to this lady. That's all it says. And she said, well, you cannot bring these in. You can only bring one Bible in. And I said, can I give it away? And I'm feeling more confidence because she said I can bring one Bible in. Can I give it away? And she said, yes, but you can only bring one Bible in. And I said, can I give it to you? Would you want it? She said, no, I don't. No, I do not want your Bible. I said, okay, I just wanted to see because if I'm only allowed to bring one in, I could give it away. I'd love to give it to you. And she said, no, you, I, I do not want it. And so they took all the stuff, and I, I felt like the worst Bible smuggler ever, like... <laughs> I'm bad at this. I should have, like, hidden it better, you know. And I'm, I'm walking out the airport, and this police officer is escort, escorting me out. And, and we get out to the parking lot, and she says, I really do want that Bible. Like, if there's any way I can get that Bible, I'd be so thankful. And I said, absolutely. And I gave her the Bible, and she, like, ran to her car and put it in her car. And just to watch and say, like, you know what? God's sovereign even over when I'm a bad Bible smuggler has a reason for it. There's a purpose for it. But there's times in which it's appropriate to break the law. In Vietnam, training pastors in the underground church, being there and just spending hours and hours and hours with them. Not supposed to be there. And yet, God's command us to go and to make disciples, hasn't he? Preaching the gospel. Burma, same thing. South Sudan, being in, in a country in which we were not allowed to go in there. International law said that you were not allowed to fly into any areas that a sovereign state said you couldn't go into. And there was these areas that they said, these are war zones, you're not allowed in. So none of the NGOs were allowed to go into those areas. And we just said, like, we'll go. Chartered planes flew in there, gave food to people who were literally just starving. I mean, terrible circumstances. It was illegal. We weren't allowed to go in. But bringing, bringing food in, just food and medicine, and more importantly, bringing the gospel, evangelizing, chaining pastors, serving in these areas, knowing that every time we went in there, it was illegal. And I've shared this before, but there was a time where I met the president of Sudan, Omar Bashir, and I thought, I don't want to meet this guy. Like, he is a bad, bad man. And, I'm, like, we have gone to his country illegally so many times. And the first thing he said when we met with him is, I've understand you've been to my country many times. And then he said, thank you for coming through the front door this time. But looking at it, just saying, there comes a place where God tells us to love our neighbors. He tells us specifically, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If I was in some village in South Sudan and I had no food and I could not give food to my kids and I'm watching people starve, my family members starve, how badly would I want someone to bring me food? To the same degree that I would want someone to bring me food is to the same degree that I should desire to do that for them, isn't it? It's the second commandment. And you fulfill all the commandments preceded by loving the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. 
we, we need to, to be in a place of recognizing there are times for civil disobedience. And I think that we will find that more and more to be the case here in our country. We see that there are things that are being forced upon us. Just this week, there was a baker who, who was told by a judge that he had to make cakes for homosexual weddings. Came from a judge. You have no choice. You have to make cakes for homosexual couples. I would probably venture to say there will come a day where we would be um, in the wrong here at our church to not allow homosexual weddings to take place here. Um, where we are not supposed to speak out of it uh, on homosexuality as it is sin. And I'll tell you, it will never stop here at our church to proclaim God's word and to say, thus saith the Lord, this is what he says is wrong. It's sin. And this is the gospel. And there are some who were homosexuals, and such were some of you. But we've been washed to be able to say this is sin. Repent. Scripture is so clear on that particular subject. To, to, to go against that would be to go against God's word. See that spanking is outlawed in 32 countries at this particular time. And there may come a time where it is outlawed in our country think that there's 22 countries alone in, in, uh, in Europe in which that is, that is outlawed. Um, I'm sorry, 34 countries in the world as of right now, 22 countries in Europe where it's outlawed. But I think kids need discipline. Whether it's outlawed or not, Kids need discipline. If that ever comes upon us, it already has been brought up in California and it, it was rejected, but we're, we are one of two states in which they've tried to outlaw that. Um, although my kids would be happy in the current time, <laughs> it would not be for their best good that we would not be allowed to discipline them like that. And you look and there, there will be times in which we will have to do things in which we say we will obey God rather than men. In verse 3, it says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise for men. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. We want there to be laws, don't we? Laws are a good thing. In, in Judges 21 and verse 25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Um, a time in which if there is no law, everybody does whatever is right in their own eyes. We need law. It says the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Um, currently there are 2.3 million be um, somewhere between 2.3 and 2.4 million Americans behind bars. Roughly one in every 100 adults 
those that are on parole or probation, if they were included, one adult in every 31 is under some correctional supervision. It is a good thing to have laws. We, we live in a place in which there are just incredible numbers of federal crimes. I mean, if you tried, I, I tried to look up how many laws are there in the United States, and it, everywhere I looked, it said that, that it's not even possible to do. It's not, it's not possible to, there's people that tried to count them and just gave up in time because there are so many laws in the United States. In, in 2011, there was over 40,000 laws that were passed that had to be instituted in 2012. Just in 2011, for over 40,000. Just incredible number of laws. You don't even know what they are. I, I was in Africa, and there's someone who was with me who was a police officer, and um, he wasn't feeling well. And I said, well, I got these antibiotics. And I take my antibiotics and just put them in little plastic bags because I thought, like, well, I don't want to carry all of these things, you know? And he looks at it and he says, you know, that's a felony. It's a felony to not have it in the thing. Okay, go ahead, take me in. You know, I, I, and then I thought, no, you're, I'm not in your jurisdiction right now. I, I'm just leaving them here, you know? But I didn't know. I mean, I was like, it could have been one strike for me. I, 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 a felony. I didn't know. And yet there's times where we learn these things in time. I'm married to a CPA. I, I learned different ways that I had committed crimes in the past all the time. And um, <laughs> frequently there's times where I say, like, oh, this is awesome. If we buy it here, we don't, we don't have to pay taxes on it because there's no taxes, no sales tax there. And, and then she looks at me like, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't have, well, you know, yeah, the California State Board of Equalization, you know, sales and use tax regulation. 1620B, like you have to actually pay in. Just stop, stop talking. Don't tell me I didn't. I used to be free from that, and now I am not. But there are all kinds of different laws that are there, that are there for us. We don't want people doing whatever's right in their own eyes. In 1992, there was the L.A. riots that took place dealing with, with Rodney King. And April 29th, 1992, was the funeral service for my grandpa. And, uh, and so we went there. We were in L.A. during that time. And the acquittal of the four police officers came at 3.15. And, and shortly after that, there was just riots taking place. And here we are. We had to cancel going to do the burial. We're driving around just... People are looting the stores, everything. And, it, I mean, it was just crazy. Like, I mean, carrying TVs out, sticking it in their, in their car. People running around on the freeway. I mean, no one messed with us because we looked like the Japanese mafia, so they just stayed away. <laughs> but we, we were there just watching all of these things take place. And, I mean, over those couple of days, there were... 53 people that were killed, over 2,000 people injured. There was 3,600 fires that were set, 1,100 buildings that were burned, um, and just widespread looting throughout the entire city. I mean, it was just crazy to be there. You don't, you don't want people doing whatever is right in their own eyes. You want there to be a rule of law. You want there to be that. It says, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is, a, he is God's minister, 
an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. It's important for us to understand that. It's a good thing that there's government. At the same time, we, we need to understand that we play a very important role in all these things in our country. We aren't in a dictatorship. We, we see that, that we're told by, by our Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal. That they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We, we see that in the Gettysburg Address, the famous line by Abraham Lincoln, where he says that we, have our, we are a government of the people and by the people, for the people. We shall not perish from the earth. We, we are the government. We are to influence laws. We are to be there to vote. We are to be there to influence those who are around us to make this the best place that we possibly could live in. There's things that take place that we need to be informed about. Just this week, there's a debate that's taking place in the New York Supreme Court as to whether chimpanzees should have all the rights of being a legal person. Supreme Court, this week. Chimpanzees. Stephen M. Wise, the founder and president of Non-Human Rights Project, says, when we go to court on behalf of the first chimpanzee plaintiffs, we'll be asking judges to recognize for the first time that these cognitively complex autonomous beings have the basic legal rights to not be imprisoned in cages but that they have human rights, that they have the rights of personhood. We're to be informed of these things. Looking at these things and this is absurd, giving personhood to chimpanzees. We're to be informed as to what is taking place. There has been a lot that has occurred this year. I read an article that was entitled How 2013 Became the Greatest Year in Gay Rights History says, any day now the New Mexico Supreme Court may grant same-sex couples the right to get married. At this point, such a ruling may not seem like such a big deal. Prior to last year's elections, gays and lesbians had a civil right to marry in only six states. Now they have it in 16. Um, this year represented the true tipping point, says Eric Marcus, um, author of Making Gay History. We've reached a moment in history where it's very difficult, if not impossible, to go back. Kate Kendall said, to describe the events of the year as breathtaking is woefully inadequate. There's been a lot that's happened this year. We need to be informed and be able to give people a reason why this is why it is sin. This is why it is wrong. We are not people who hate homosexuals. We love homosexuals. We love them. We love them so much we desire to proclaim the gospel to them. We love them. see things that are taking place in our country. We're told in God's word, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Pentagon released a statement this year on proselytization saying, religious proselytization is not permitted within the Department of Defense. Court marshals 
and non-judicial punishments are decided on a case-by-case basis. You're not allowed to proselytize in the military. And the church spoke out in just incredible ways this year regarding that. And it was changed to where the position was made. All service members are free to exercise their constitutional right to practice their religion in a manner that is respectful of other individuals' rights, to follow their own belief systems in ways that are conducive to good order and discipline and that do not detract from accomplishing the military mission. You are allowed to evangelize. But that came after the church responding to that. This is wrong. How can we not evangelize? You're, You're taking away our freedom to practice religion. We need to be informed. We need to know. We need to vote properly. We need to inform others. We need to be salt here to this earth and say these are things that are right and these are things that are wrong and these things matter. In Romans 13, 5, it says, Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. Not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. Be subject to them so that your conscience is clear on these things. God wants us to have a clear conscience on it. God wants us to obey the laws that are there within the land. We, I have a little boy who's just a legalist. And we drive and he says, Daddy, what's the speed limit here? 65. Why does your speed, speedometer say 68 then? Moving your car seat, man. Like, you know. In, in. <laughs> but being in a place where we do our best to obey the laws that are there. For conscience sake. In verse 6 it says, For because of this you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending, to, attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Paul concludes this particular section by saying, and also pay your taxes. You see that in in Matthew 22 where Jesus is asked, tell us therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose images and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their, and went their way. We are to be people who we pay our taxes. I had a professor, my favorite professor at, in college, one of them, and, and he, he just said, God has called us to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And I totally agree with that. But my philosophy is render the least amount possible. And I would agree with that. Render to Caesar the least amount you possibly can and still be legal. But to be living in this country and thankful and not looking at it as we're here to rebel. We're here to be thankful for our country. Thankful for police officers. Thankful for firefighters. Thankful for those that are governing. Thankful for laws that protect us. Thankful for these things. At the same time, having an incredible influence on the country. We, the people, we, the people, are the governing, are those that are to have an impact on it. And to do it for Christ's sake. Submit to him for Christ's sake. 
We look at this and thus saith the Lord, part of presenting your bodies as living sacrifices unto him is submission to the government. And you look at all of these things and all of the laws and doesn't it make you thankful for the gospel? Our sins are removed. They've all been removed from us and it's been replaced with the very righteousness of Christ. Um, and praise God for the gospel, especially when living with the CPA. Let's close in prayer.